Yes. Three, two, one. Well, hello. Right. Happy Monday. Hello. Welcome to You Can't Be Sick on Mondays. Um, so glad that you're here and listening. Hope you're having a great Monday or whenever you're listening to this podcast today. Um, what are we talking about? Today, we are going to be sharing some uncomfortable or comfortable, I'm not sure, uh, conversations that we've had to endure in the workplace, uh, you know, or overheard have had to have things we never thought we'd have to say as adults in a workplace (laughs) so yeah a little unfortunate (laughs) you know what's interesting the older i get i'm an old woman the older i get the more i realize that that i am literally just a child in an older body expected to do older people things and I'm like not ready at all like I it's like I'm not meant to handle handle these hardships yet (laughs) oh god (laughs) it's just like oh my gosh yeah it's like you know how like I hear that (laughs) I think yeah I mean who does and I've also noticed that as, now that I'm like technically an adult, even though I still feel like I am just trying to figure it out, like nobody feels like an adult. Nobody feels like they're like, I mean, at least people around my age definitely don't feel like adults and definitely don't know what they're doing. Like nobody knows what's going on. They're just kind of like, fake it till you make it. And I always used to think that that's, that phrase was like annoying in a way and kind of like, uh, I don't know. D- didn't really. I-, I didn't think it was a good motto to live by because I felt like that was just um, trying to convince yourself of something that just wasn't true. And and it didn't I don't think that instills actual confidence in anybody to be like faking it and to constantly be like feeling like you're faking. Um, but but. At the same time, I do realize that kind of nobody really knows what's going on or what they're doing, and everybody's kind of faking it. So I guess it's a little true. I don't know. Well, and it's interesting you bring up fake it to make it because that segues into a conversation I had in the workplace. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love it. It wasn't even planned. I know. Look at us go. Look at us. So... (laughs) My lieutenant, the same one who told me I couldn't be sick on Mondays, uh, there was a conversation we had and he said, you just got to fake it till you make it, you know? And I was kind of like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, fake it to make it. And the context around this was to fake my illness to pretend that I could work. And yeah, yeah. What? Yes. And I was kind of like, wait, what? Because I I came in one day and I wasn't feeling too great. And so I told him, I was like, I'm not feeling great, but I want to at least try today because I, I don't feel, you know, too sick to not work, but I don't feel great enough that I don't know if I can last nine hours. And he was like, oh, fake right. it to make it. You know, you got to fake it to make it. <laughs> it was kind of like, 
wait, what? I, okay. And I, I think I lasted like three hours because I was pushing, pushing. It was at the time in my life where I just pushed and pushed and pushed until I couldn't push anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the, the terminology of fake it till you make it is, uh, it kind of falls under, under the category of toxic positivity, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I I like the saying on one hand because it can be very motivational to people who are unsure. But on the other hand, it can be very mm-hmm. toxic uh, for someone like me who is overly ambitious and didn't want to be sick. I, di- I didn't want to be sick. I didn't want to miss work or, you know, be unreliable or, or any of those things. And that term became very, uh, it, it wasn't a, a encouraging mantra. It was a toxic mantra. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, I know I didn't even know that. So just for context, for, for, you know, uh, context of this conversation today, basically Rebecca texted me and was like, hey, I want to talk about stories in the workplace because um, we talked about something last week in a meeting that was kind of sparked this. And I've never heard any of these stories right. uh, before. So these are very real reactions <laughs> to uh, to this this scenario of, of fake it to make it, which it's fake it till you make it, not fake it to make it, which I don't know if there's a difference, but there feels like there's a difference. It feels like there's a difference. Like fake it, fake it till you make it means that once you've made it, you're not faking it anymore, but fake it to make it makes it feel like you're just always going to be faking it. Right. Does that make that sense? Makes total is that a, sense? Is that the distinction? I don't know. Maybe I'm nitpicking the words a little bit too hard. But. I like it nitpick yeah i'm a nitpicker so you mentioned the conversation we had during our meeting did you want to tell us the story yeah so i was on a movie set uh for a job i so i'm also an actor and um this was like the first like acting gig that I've had in a long time basically because of COVID and all of these things and um so and it's also the first time that I've worked with um this uh casting agency that I am signed under I have an agent and um basically they will send me calls and I will submit and then for this one in particular they are my my agent and the other agent that works at this agency are also actors so they ended up being in the movie with us so we're going we're extras we're um there's a group of like 10 of us and i think pretty much everybody who was an extra there except for like two of the people who were there who knew the director um were through our agency and one of them was my friend and um they use they them am and she her pronouns and um and the the our agents know that like that is a mm-hmm. real thing um and uh it's i'm pretty sure it's on like all of their stuff like i think it's on their resume i think it's on their it's definitely on their website like you know it's out there um so it's not like they're unaware uh they identify as non-binary and um and so there's like new people there who are like of the same like talent agency that I am a part of and but I'm meeting these people for the first time it's also the first time I'm meeting my agent in person so I don't like know these people really well 
Um, and it was like really frustrating because I, even before we got there, my friend was like, who's ready to get like only gendered with she, her pronouns the whole time I'm here. And I was like, oh, it's, I was hopeful that it wasn't going to be like that because these people know us and they're also supposedly a bunch of queer people. Um, so unfortunately that was the case and so I was trying really hard to like when I was referencing my friend use other pronouns besides she her and see if they would freaking catch on but it was like as another trans person really hard to try and assert myself especially because there were interactions with some of the people there that didn't feel good and like didn't make me feel like they were a person I could say something to like they knew I was a trans man knew what pronouns I used and yet, like, I got called a girl. Not in a way that was, like, meant to be, like, you know how people will be like, you go, girl, you know, or, like, girl, like, what? Which is, like, also another problem. My friend who I'm talking about is also, um, they're, they're mixed race. And the way that this white, gay, cis man was, like, using AAVE, which is um, African-American vernacular... A-A-V-E, African-American Vernacular English. Um, So saying stuff like girl in that way, like G-U-R-L, you go queen and sis and like all of these things are not something that he should be saying out of his mouth. And as, you know, this whole year has like really uh, enlightened me on how much the queer community has pretty much stolen from the black community. Yeah. Um, But specifically with the language that we use it is a little bit infuriating (laughs) um and also like you should know that like i i it blows my mind when like people are still doing that kind of stuff because i'm like how are you not paying attention to the discourse like how are you not learning about these things like maybe it's because i'm an activist and i care and like my social media is filled with that kind of content so i'm learning about these things and taking the time to do further research and things. Maybe that's why I'm, like, so aware, but also I just don't understand how people aren't. So when we talk about, like, uncomfortable conversations, like, I realized after the fact that my friend really would have liked me to have spoken up and said something to this person who was using AAVE because they were the only black person there. Um, They had been you know misgendered this whole night probably didn't feel safe on a few different levels right and as a as a friend and as a person who cares and knows this information i should have spoken up and said something and then on the flip side of that i'm in a new environment with a bunch of people that i don't know i don't know how this person is going to react because they already misgendered me in a way that like felt kind of unsafe in a in like a like an uncomfortable way and so like what am i what do you do in that situation like how do you speak up and like support your friend who's also experiencing similar feelings of discomfort but then has an added layer of like the racial stuff like i as a white person feel really obligated to do things that are supporting my friends especially my friends of color but then like if i'm uncomfortable too then like because I also have a marginalized identity, it just, like, makes it difficult, and I don't like to use it as an excuse to not do something. 
either. So like, I don't know, lots of internal struggle going on here. And it led to me basically not doing anything, which also felt really not good. Um, but um, yeah, that's that was that uncomfortable moment. Yeah. And, and to note too is you said that your agents were there and, and they were participating in this yeah. as extras as well. And it's right. it, when you told me this story, I was thrown back a little bit that they weren't there to help protect your friend, protect you, maybe pull that individual aside and say, hey, you know, it, what you do in your free time with your friends and how you talk to your friends is yours. But here you need to be aware of how your words are hurting others. And this yeah. is a workspace. Yeah. And, and it's just unfortunate that they didn't take that opportunity too. you know, it's it's not 100% on you. I, I think I, there was a lot going on. You know, yes, yeah. you want to use your, your voice when you can, but you also didn't feel safe too. And the people who are supposed to keep you safe right. in your workspace were also not there doing that. And that's, I don't like that. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's a balance, right? And like, they're in a sticky position too because they're also like employed by this person like their level of power in that situation was fluctuating constantly because they're like actors in this scene and then they're also um like our agent who is technically supposed to be responsible for our like well-being as workers as well so it's like there was a very strange dynamic going on that i think was unique and i You know, I don't really know what the solution is to that. Maybe they can't be on set as an actor and also be our agents in that way. Or maybe it ends up being that, you know, there is advocacy before we even get on set of of Mm -hmm. the kind of um, professionalism and respect that we expect the actors to receive when they're on the set. Maybe they talk to management with the crew Um, that hired them like I you know I don't know I don't know necessarily what the solution is there but I'm hoping that there is something some sort of form of advocacy because one of the reasons that I signed with them is because I said like listen I have not been on movie sets before I am a stage actor I don't know what the vibe is in film I don't want to sign with someone and feel like I don't have someone who has my back when I do experience something bad right and They almost seemed a little bit like I need... So the question that I got was, have you experienced something recently? Like, is this a... Like, like almost asking me for an example. And I was like, well, no. Like, that's the thing is I don't know what's going to happen. And I want to know that if I feel uncomfortable, I have, like, support. And, And it felt a little bit like they were like, well, this probably isn't a problem because I've never seen it. You know, um, which feels shitty, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) yes, it's more, it's more, it's, it's more of a sense of like, they don't know that there's a problem because they're not the ones looking out for those types of things. Like I, as a a gender minority person, oh, that's a weird way of putting it, uh, a person with a marginalized identity gender wise, um, like I'm very sensitive to those things. I'm paying attention to it a lot more, whereas other people who aren't, like, aren't going to be thinking about that on a regular basis, which I understand, but at the same time, 
I don't, because, like, I am also thinking about other people who do not hold the same identities as I do all the time. So I can't necessarily say that that's an excuse either, you know? Yeah. I feel like, obviously, I haven't thought of a solution or anything, but it it almost feels like there needs to be a a metaphorical lifeguard, you know, someone who's sitting up on, like, the lifeguard chair with a whistle in situations like this in film and on, you know, uh, what's it called? Soundstage? Yeah, like a soundstage or or a a location shoot who's, who's there for people to go up to anonymously and they can say, hey... This person is saying, uh, using the wrong pronouns purposefully, and it's hurtful, and it's making me feel unsafe. And then that lifeguard, (laughs) I don't know if that's the right term, but, you know, just having a person there who's unrelated to uh, the film, you know, who's unrelated to the agents, who's unrelated to all of it, They're, they're just this entity that you hire you know hire me like I'll come in I I'll pull people aside and be like hey guy or girl or they them you know hey let's let's have a chat you know you want to you want a donut you want a yeah a juice yeah. you know let's let's talk for a minute like <laughs> I've had fear of being fired um there's it what am I trying to say <laughs> So I've had that fear of being fired. I've had a situation that I wanted to tell you about today. And this is the story that kind of sparked the idea for this episode. Mm -hmm. When I was working at the sheriff's department, I was the records clerk. And being the records clerk, I was the one in charge of approving reports, sending them back for corrections, sending them to... Uh, the district attorney's office or juvenile probation or you know all the places those reports need to go I like had to know all the rules and the timing and all of that stuff that fun fun super fun stuff Um, anyways (laughs) I had to go to a training uh, it's like a state certified training where they teach you the public records act they teach you the laws you know what's required to be released what you have to protect and when things do become public it's kind of boring but I became really good at it and so I had my training I had my certificate I was you know just plugging away doing my job helping the public helping the officers all that thing all those things well my sheriff (laughs) my sheriff calls me into his office and this this man is someone Jeff and I compared to President Donald Trump Um, he was I should say former President Donald Trump you know so people don't think yeah you should say former <laughs> this man was someone that jeff and i compared to uh donald trump there i won't say president at all uh, <laughs> and so this person was kind of a tyrant he he was scary he was a scary individual i was in my early 20s working this job in a industry that i was very unfamiliar with i get called into his office and there's an individual sitting in there with him who is part part of the sheriff's department but not part of the the like police side of it it's more of like the admin and county side of it and so I was a little confused and kind of thinking oh maybe you know I'm I'm in trouble or maybe you know I I I don't know and he says to me hey Rebecca um I'm gonna need you to release the case blah 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 whatever case it was 
to the Sacramento uh, Times or Sacramento Bee or whatever the paper was in Sacramento. And I, I sat there and I was like, which case? And he explains the case to me. And I had just processed this case for the district attorney's office. And one of the big laws, big, big, big law is if a case is pending criminal proceedings, it cannot be released to the public uh, because that could interfere with the successful investigation. It can interfere with a lot of things. And so... So he says, yeah, I want you to print the report and mail it to this press, to the media. And I said, I, you want me to do a press release, you know, like, which is not the report. It's just kind of like what's public in the report. <clears throat> and he says, no, I want you to print it and mail the report to such and such at the Sacramento Bee. And I then said, okay, so as your records person, you want me to advise you what's public record right now, and it is not public record, so I'm advising you as your records person that this is not public record, and I cannot release it to anyone with the news media. That's not, I, I can give them a press release, but I cannot give them the report. That's, can't do that. And I mean, he's he's literally asking you to break the law. Yes. Like, literally law-breaking. Like, yes, it, like and and really pushing for it like that's yes. the weird part well and i'm sitting there going like i'm young i i don't know what's going on and this is literally a question they ask you like in interviews for government like if you're told to do something illegal what would you do and of course i answered like i wouldn't do it like you know it's illegal and i'm literally sitting in that scenario and my sheriff is asking me to do something illegal. And there's a witness. There's a person sitting there. And this person turns to me and says, you will do what you're told. And I sat there and I said, I will not. I'm sorry. I can't. I cannot do that. And the sheriff says to me, I am ordering you to go and print this report for me and mail it to the Sacramento Bee. And I said, I will not do that. What? Yes. So I no. <laughs> I stood my ground and I I got very uncomfortable and very angry, but I wasn't reacting in anger because I was too afraid. Like I was afraid he was gonna fire me. I was afraid I, you know, I had no idea. I was young. I it's one of those things you never think is gonna happen. And so he orders me, he says, I, I'm ordering you to do this. And I said, if you want to print the report yourself and mail it yourself go ahead and do it I will not do it for you and he sat there yeah he sat there thinking for a moment and he said I want you to print it and I want you to send it and I said okay I'm going to tell you right now I believe the reason you are asking me to do this is so that the audit shows that I printed this report and that it doesn't show your initials because there was audits of who printed what, because you have yeah. to keep track of that stuff, right? Anything can happen. <laughs> and so um, I, he it was quiet, and I said, I think you want my initials on the print audit and not yours, but what you don't realize is I can make an audit note and say that you ordered me to do this, and it will be in the audit that you ordered me to do this. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> And my reaction is like, yes, victory. Yes. <laughs> and so he's he's sitting there and the other person's sitting there and they're kind of, you know, 
him and Han, and I don't remember much of what they were kind of talking about. And he goes, um, you can go back to your desk now. And I was like, all right. And so I, I finished out my day, but I went to my desk and I was shaking. Like my entire body was like shaking. Like I got struck by lightning or something. It was just Man. like so much adrenaline, so much fear. I, I wasn't sure, like, do I tell my captain what just happened? Like, this is the highest person on the chain. Like, they ask you the question in an interview, but they never tell you what to do when it actually happens. You know, you always say, oh, I wouldn't do it. But they don't say, okay, if it does happen, you need yeah. to report it. Or, you know, I wasn't sure what to do. So I sat there, finished my day, went home. And for the next two weeks, the sheriff wouldn't look at me or talk to me. <laughs> And, and wow. I always, I always told Jeff, I was like, it was the best two weeks of my life at that job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I did, Oh my gosh. for, for anyone who's curious to know, like, I didn't really know what to do. Right. So I did talk to my captain about it. I told him what happened. I told him what was said and he said, I'll take care of it. And I know he did have a meeting with the sheriff, but I don't know what was said. I, you know, the sheriff's an elected position. It's not like they get fired for things like that. There has to be a recall. It's, it's not, it's not like if a sergeant was to ask me to do something like that, they would be disciplined. They'd be probably be put on leave and possibly fired. But a sheriff, it's like, I have no clue what happened. I, I don't know if it was documented. I don't know anything, but it's, he's not the sheriff anymore, by the way. This is back in 2010, so or 2011, I should say. I'm really curious, though, if there is nothing that is done, like who holds that person accountable if they did do something illegal or, or I mean, so I'm, I'm also thinking like, okay, let's say that you ended up doing the printing and you made the note for the audit and then the audit comes around and they see that this happened like what happens to that person and yeah. like does that mean that there's there has to be an investigation of some kind or like what do you know yeah or have any idea or is there just nothing so like i said this was an elected individual so the situation was very different um so what would what would normally happen, I would say, if it's not an elected official. So let's say this was the captain. The captain made me do this, right? An investigation would be launched. It would be an internal affairs investigation. And in that investigation, every witness and every party involved would be interviewed. So I would be interviewed. The captain would be interviewed. The witness would be interviewed. All of those things. And then what would come of that is what's called like an arbitration hearing. And during that hearing they'll say what sort of discipline fits the the crime so to speak so mm. if they decide well this was uh, a situation of coercion and dishonesty and uh integrity issues you will be terminated and then like let's say in my case they might say you're certified you even said it and you still printed it you have two days off suspension, you know, like whatever they decide, like they could decide to discipline me too. Um, because technically the right. law that I learned said that my ignorance or negligence to that law is a misdemeanor. 
So technically, Whoa. yes, yeah. And so technically, I could serve actual time or pay a fine and it be on my criminal record for doing something like that. So, yeah, you know, the, the protections surrounding people's records are very, you know, they're on lock. Yeah, so this report he was asking me to release was an ongoing case that involved attempted murder. And so very serious crime, very, you know, ongoing investigation. Uh, there was no no details that were really public yet. You know, like like who's arrested? You know, when someone's arrested for something, that's public record. You know, it's like John Doe arrested for attempted murder on this date and time is public. Who they attempted to murder, not public. How they try to do it, not public. It's just, you know, very limited information is public. And at that point in time, that case did not have that information. It's just one of those things where I I had no idea that ever, ever, ever in my career in law enforcement, I would be asked to do something illegal. And it happened within my first year by an elected official. And I find that completely baffling. I don't know what would happen to him. I don't think anything did happen to him. He served his whole term. Um, but if it was anyone else, they would be terminated. It's just, you know, we're talking about uncomfortable conversations in the workplace, uncomfortable conversations, period, right? And while we were talking, <laughs> I thought about this time my mom came to visit me at the sheriff's department and I'm taking her around and, you know, like, oh, this is Sergeant so-and-so, this is Detective whoever, this is, you know, whatever's going on. And I get to this one uh, person's desk and they have like their guns laid out on the desk and oh, I... I teased them and I said, how dare you bring all your guns out while my mom's here? And he immediately like started to like put them away and, you know, cause he was cleaning them. He was cleaning his guns yeah. and my mom's like, don't worry about it. It's okay. I just don't want to be close to them. You know, like we're not gun people. Like I didn't grow up around guns or anything. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking like how many people in their workplace just walk by a desk and there's people cleaning guns like it's just like honestly that is so weird to even think about like I could never oh god I just I'm thinking about my my job um working at a sexual violence nonprofit and like how I was in the prevention department. I worked in prevention education, so I'm going into schools. The plan was to eventually go into other parts of the community that weren't just um, schools um, and doing education on prevention work. And and one of the things that we did was we would, we would go into um, elementary schools to teach about uh, consent, uh, we would teach it in a way of like asking your friends for a hug and before you give it to them. And like, this is with like little, little kids, you know, like kindergarten to third grade is getting this kind of, um, prevention education. And, 
and one and part of that is personal body safety and it's basically saying if someone touches you if an adult touches you and you didn't feel comfortable with it find your trusted adult which could which we love to have be their teacher because their teacher is a mandated reporter um or you know a school nurse or the principal or like I don't know, the lunch lady, like whoever you feel comfortable with. And um, sometimes it's their parents, sometimes it isn't. So basically whoever your trusted adult is, you know, go to them and say, I've been touched inappropriately by, you know, whoever, and that they're supposed to do something about it. And to me, that is just response work. And I was like, why are we doing this? Like, this isn't prevention work. Like, yes, it might stop the thing from happening. It could start a report which will launch an investigation which will take the child out of the, yeah. the home or out of the danger and like it prevents it from continuing but it doesn't stop it in the first place and that i was like why like i i don't feel like this should be part of my job like we should be giving this curriculum to teachers to just teach in their classrooms as part of their yearly curriculum because the other part of that was like we're only coming in once to this one classroom once a year then then they don't see us again until next year and if they even remember us like is a miracle (laughs) um it's just not it wasn't even good it wasn't even good response work being done so um the yeah, the the dream in, in my eyes for violence prevention in in that regard is you know talking to parents and and talking to other community members and like teaching people how to hold each other accountable and how to look out for signs and how to like also to just believe your kids when they tell you something like that's another huge yes. problem. But anyways, um, yes. So any any who prevention um, is really if we're if we're gonna keep the police around and we're not gonna defund them at all, can we at least change their fucking job description to be prevention instead of response? Because <laughs> like, I it's not working. It's not fixing anything. You use the term prevent prevention, like crime prevention. The officers should be more geared towards prevention. And in the industry, it's called proactive reactive. So. A reactive officer is someone who only goes to the things and only does the things as a reactionary uh, action. So basically, basically the call comes in, they go handle the call. They're not out driving in neighborhoods and, you know, because they, they believe proactive policing and crime prevention is when they're driving around and talking to community members and their presence is seen. Mm-hmm. And I... I agree that there are people who are deterred by that sort of thing. Like if they see the cop car, they might not steal from from the business or, you know, like very impulsive people might be prevented from committing crimes. But as far as crime prevention in the sense of people who are grooming children, people who are sex trafficking, people who are who are breaking into homes, people who are abusing their elderly parents, people who are doing things like that behind closed doors on the internet you know there's things like that that's happening and there no police officer can prevent that there's no it's impossible and I feel like it's a standard that's put on their shoulders almost like prevent crime you know the crime stats are down good job oh the crime stats are up bad job and it's like crime is fluid like there's no I I did crime stats almost the entire time I was, you know, employed with government. And it's always the same. There's always the ups and downs. There's no, nothing we ever did, no campaign we ever did, nothing ever changed the stats. 
Okay, so one last story. One last story to to kick this off with a bang. I not kick this off, but leave this with a bang. I don't know. Leave this with a bang. And and leave on a high note. A bang? On a high note. <laughs> I don't know how high of a note this is gonna be, but oh, well. so <laughs> oops. <laughs> a conversation I thought never never in my life I thought I would have in the workplace. I had a deputy come up to my desk and they had just gone on a call. It was a welfare check of some people in a household. And, you know, I, I could hear the radio. Everything was fine. So they come up to my desk to relive the encounter. <laughs> and this is something that frequently happens. I hated it. I, I don't like hearing all the stories throughout their day. I know it's their way of debriefing, but I'm like, I don't care. So they come up to my desk and they're like, hey, you want to hear about what just happened? And I said, yeah, you did a welfare check. I It sounded like everything was fine. And they go, everything was fine. I had this. And they take their ASP out, which is a collapsible tool, and they whip it out and it, it extends. And it's it's a tool for crowd control. It's, it's you know, it's like a baton, but it's an ASP and it, and it can whip. And so they whip uh. it out in front of me, like as if I'm uh. someone they're going to whip. <laughs> and I kind of am taken aback. And they say, yeah, I had this with me. That calmed those kids down right away. And I said, oh, there were children at this welfare check. And they're like, yeah, they got one of them got sassy with me. And when I pulled this out, it shut them up right away. And so then I said, did you hit the child with the asp? And they said, no, no, it was, you know, just showing them my power. And yeah. And I sat there and I was like, okay, bye. You know, like, leave me alone. I actually told them to leave me alone. I was like, I have work to do. As soon as they were out of my sight, I ran to my lieutenant's desk and I said, this person just said this to me, and if you don't do something about this, I, I'm not going to be quiet. This is abuse of power. This is abuse of the badge. This is not the oath they took. That's not protection of life. That is not serving your community. If you don't do something right now, I'm going to lose it. And um, he said right away, called the guy into his office. Um, guy was sent home. And a few weeks later, fired. So, yeah. Wow. I, I don't know if there was wow. more more instances, uh, but the person wasn't even off their training program yet. And so they could fire them based on probationary terms. But I was like, this has to end. This has to end. And it did. <laughs> I was literally holding my breath through that entire story. I was like, I, I I'm, I'm shocked. I, yes. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Not good for a podcast that I don't know what to say, but, but wow. I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I'm really glad that you were there and that you were the one that was being told this information because how many people in that office would have gone straight to the superior to say this isn't okay you know I don't know and I mean I'm glad I overheard it and I mean this person I don't think was going to pass probation anyway but I can't believe they traumatized a family over it um over their 
power hunger, but also just a little cherry on top for your speechlessness. Uh, this person is a felon. <gasps> If you are a person listening and you have been in a position with a police officer that was uncomfortable, and I mean like they put their hand on their gun while talking to you as an intimidation uh, tactic, please report that to whoever you can within their office or if not their office, within whoever it's their county um, supervisors, uh, administrators, city council people, report it, report it, report it. Thank you very much for listening today. Um, we'd like to send you off with some balance in your life. Uh, please say it the way that you say it because you say it better than I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you all for listening today. We hope that your Monday is terrible. No, I, I messed it up. <laughs> I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening to our uncomfortable conversations. Please make sure to share any of your conversations you've had at work with us so we can laugh at your stories with you. I yes. want to... <laughs> I would like to always keep balance in the world. So with hatred and darkness, we wish you a horrible day. I hope it's terrible. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. All right. Okay. <laughs> no re no recorded evidence of whatever Rebecca was going to say about people. <laughs> I was going to say something about people and I decided to censor myself. So that's big brother at work. Do that. <laughs> oh, is that what no. it is? Oh my goodness. So yeah, um <laughs>